What is up, guys? I am here with Justin Bannon, the co-founder of Boson Protocol. How are you doing, Justin? Great. Thanks, Steve, for having me on the show. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to dig into this. So I had some some time to to kind of do some research on what you guys are working on before we jumped on. So before we get into it, because uh, there is a lot here to unpack, let's talk a little bit about your your origin story, your how you got into crypto and what you were doing before this and your background. Okay. Um, so I, I, I started out doing, I did a physics degree. I mean, thus the name Boson, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow I ended up working for a, a company called Priority Pass who were really simply reselling like airport lounge visits as paper and plastic vouchers. I did a master's in digital business really early and I thought, okay, what happens if we digitize these vouchers so that they can flow around like mobile apps and stuff? Mm-hmm. And that turned out to be quite a good idea because that business grew from like 50 million revenue to like a billion dollar revenue and wow. ended up as like MD. I just built out this big digital voucher platform, really. Um, and still being a bit of a you know physics geek, but more of a business model geek, I got really into network effects, business models. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, 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 I then did a master's in blockchain and kind of really started to understand not just what happens when you've got tokenized network effects, business models, which is super powerful, but also that, you know, I was getting a bit disgruntled with running a platform that was super extractionary of buyers, sellers, and employees, and um, that there was a the potential to have business models that had equ- equ- equitability uh, baked in mm-hmm. that didn't, you know, mandate the extraction to shareholders. And so, left that very well-paid job. Everyone thought I was mad, and embarked upon this journey to build a kind of, um, you know blockchain uh, version of of that but yeah then we, we came across this kind of big fundamental problem with you know i guess with the decentralized commerce systems um which is that although you can remove the intermediary you still see need someone to arbitrate in the event of a dispute or a reversal and mm-hmm. and that cost and friction breaks those models which is why you know your first generation of e-commerce platforms really haven't had much traction um, and so Boson was born really solving that problem in quite a fundamental way. Got it. That's a good segue into mm-hmm. what is what is the Boson protocol and, and in the simplest way possible, how could you describe it maybe using like a, a use case? Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's two, there's, there's two elements, right? One is kind of just the purely mechanics of it, of the system. And then one is like the business model. I said I was a, a business model geek and that kind of, has to be in there, I suppose. But um, so, you know, if you want to enable commerce between a buyer and a seller, um, you know, in, in a remote way, then typically you've got a couple of choices, right? Classically, you've got this choice now of, okay, you can have some sort of a, an online e-commerce platform, right? And they will coordinate, you know, take the money and, and, it, and deliver the product and handle any disputes and reversals. Um, so you know, that's, that's option number one, but you've got all the problems with trust and, and ex- exploitation and all of that stuff. Um, and so along came decentralized commerce. And what they did is they took the same model, platform business model, and just did it on a blockchain. Trouble is that, yeah, as I mentioned, you still need these arbitrators. So there's still loads of cost and friction. And it's, you know, actually probably blockchain is 
less performant in terms of running a platform, it's probably better to do it on a centralized way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, but we introduced this third option, which is where we automate that, you know, we, re- we automate away the need for an arbitrator. So you can think of us as a black box that goes in the middle, replaces the intermediary and enables these transactions to happen governed by, instead of a human arbitrator, governed by a game, right? And it's a bit like the game, the really simple version of the game, which is if you go and book an expensive restaurant, they ask you to put down $100 um, as a non-refundable deposit. If you don't show, you lose that. So the restaurant knows you've got skin in the game. And you, if you can't be bothered to go, think, oh, I'm going to go. I'm not going to lose $100. Mm-hmm. So it's a game theoretic you know, incentive. And that it's got one rule you know, and one 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 kind of deposit our 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 game is same sort of class except it's got you know two deposits buyer and seller and a more complex set of rules that results in it being in both parties interests to go through with the transaction to the agreed level of quality got it got it so i think one of the one of the most interesting things about sitting down with you know ambitious founders like yourself going after something like a $30 $30 trillion commerce uh, industry, it, it definitely takes some strategy and some pretty serious execution. So what would you say, you know, is the, the secret sauce that you guys have that's going to get you there from, from where you are today to, to $30 trillion in, in real world commerce? Yeah. I mean, obviously having domain, having built you know, the market leader in a certain domain of, you know, because of, of representing products and services as, as, as these kind of, you know, digital vouchers. And now we're representing products and services of things. Mm-hmm. It's one part. Having studied these kind of business models and the technology in depth is another. But even that, I mean, this is such a complex, um, you know, undertaking. Really, I think <clears throat> our advantage is just the, the people we have on the team, the breadth of advisors that we've had, you know, and, and, and picked up. So, you know, our investors, Outlier Ventures, that, that whole team, a lot of who have invested in us, you know, privately after, you know, months and months of due diligence. Trent McConaughey, the co-founder of Ocean Protocol, is an um, early advisor and investor. Um, Michael Zargam, you probably argue the best token engineer in the world, another um, advisor. And so, and then we're building out, you know, probably one of the strongest token and ecosystem, um, design teams, um, you know, on the planet plus tech team. So it's really, you know, it's a hierarchical design with, with architects over the top and then specialists building each sub module. And, um, you kind of decompose the complexity and have these really smart people working collaboratively. Um, and that's how we're approaching it. And finally, we're starting to be able to kind of eat the elephant, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. And that was kind of a segue into, I was going to ask about the team, but I guess mm-hmm. in in light of last year, 2020 being just crazy, a lot of teams have now, in crypto specifically, they were very decentralized to start, but some of them were centralized. So is your team distributed across multiple countries? Are you guys yeah. in one place? How How's the team distributed and how big is the team? Yeah, so we 
are centered on Europe. We're mm -hmm. trying mostly. I mean, I, I should preface that by saying, you know, with Priority Pass Group, I, I run a global team. I spent nearly three years in Hong Kong. Um, it's always easier to run a global team from London because you're in the middle of all the time zones. You know, never do it from San Fran or Hong Kong because you're, uh, you know, it's crazy. But um, so I'm pretty used to that. And I think, you know, remote teams, there's a huge amount of coordination and communication challenges and software can help a lot. Obviously, COVID has leveled the playing field where everyone's remote, but, you mm. know, software helps a lot. But my strategy has always been, yeah, use your communication tools, use, you know, use culture. But then every three months or four months, get everyone together for a, you know, workshopping and lots of social. Um, and then I think you can kind of, you, you can make it work. But, you know, in crypto, the standard of talent that we need is so sparsely distributed. You know, I couldn't really get them all within a hundred miles of the office. So, you know, the, I, I, I think that's, a, that's, that's one of the big factors. And my personal view is that we, that, that this is a more of a plastic rather than an elastic change in terms of remote working. I don't think people will be going back to the office on mass. Yeah. I think it will be more, uh, you know, once a week, twice a month type thing. Um, and, and the rest of it remote. Yeah, I agree. Plastic, Plastic instead of elastic. I, I totally agree with that. Uh, it's kind of like going to be the new norm, mm. I feel like. So before we get into fun, the fundraise um, mm. that you guys have done so far, because it's an exciting topic, I wanted to talk about the NFT component here because mm. for all the listeners out there, they know that I'm just an NFT fanatic and I love talking about this. So how are you guys implementing NFTs, and I know it's on both sides of the transaction, uh, but I would love to to know more about that. Okay, I mean we've actually recently updated our architecture to leverage um, Ocean Protocol's uh, version three architecture that uses that well they use ERC twenties as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'll, I'll explain. And you know, obviously Trent was an advisor, and he recommended we do that. We looked into it, and it collapses a whole load of complexity and gives us all of these kind of benefits for free so but essentially we use nfts as yeah i mean an nft being this unique digital object most people you know think of a piece of nft art etc but you know in the real world objects aren't always static right some objects i need to get myself one of those little maze games that i can pick up and use as an example but <laughs> you can have a lot of those little coffee table games where you roll a ball around in a maze so it's got state, right? And our NFTs have state. And the maze that you roll the ball around is the, is the state and it's the game between the buyers and sellers, right? And certain outcomes will penalize the buyer, certain outcomes will penalize the seller, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So we, we have a, what's called a stateful NFT. It's encoded with a game. And I think, you know, this, as I said, like objects in the real world, they don't need to be static. So that's, you know, that's the kind of how we use um, NFTs. And then that NFT, you know, it also holds the um, the, the, the deposits um, and 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 this this sequential game that manages the behaviors of buyers and sellers. Um, but the 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 really powerful thing that that, that we get from using the Ocean Protocol, um, you know, and, and Trent's architecture there is that 
Um, whereas previously you could buy that with kind of ETH or DAI and, 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 and you still can these NFTs. And, and, you know, these NFTs are redeemable for the physical thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, but now, you, you know, there's the option also to be able to buy those NFTs with a specific kind of um, ERC-20 cryptocurrency that's minted specifically for the purpose of, you know, um, buying this, this NFT for a particular item. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that those ERC-20s, those cryptocurrencies can flow around DeFi. Right. So whereas NFTs are kind of, yeah, they're transferable, et cetera. They've now got this detachable ERC-20 that can be com completely flow around DeFi and be completely securitized. It can go on a balance pool for price discovery. You could even do like a Kickstarter where, say, I'm going to build, you know, a new smartwatch. Well, um, I could raise money to build a smartwatch by, by selling these thing tokens a year in advance. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they they can all flow around the DeFi you know system, um, and we're you know one of the verticals that we're building an application on is is like a you know having built big rewards platforms previously it's a a crypto native rewards platform so for exchanges crypto credit cards they can offer real world rewards in a crypto native way, well by representing these things first as ERC twenties the exchanges don't even need to do any integration right they just list this new cryptocurrency. Um, and they can give it to their customers. Their customers take that cryptocurrency, go and use it to slot into an NFT, and boom, then they've got this, this uh, NFT that's redeemable trustlessly for a real-world item. Got it. Got so, it. you know, it's we've been spending a lot of time thinking about how to integrate, and with this architecture, there is no integration. It's just natively interoperable with the whole DeFi ecosystem, and it gives you this kind of liquid digital market for things, which is super disruptive to a platform. And I think, you know, I said before that uh, first generation e-commerce has not really disrupted platforms because it's just, you know, blockchain on a platform, but a tokenized economy or a liquid digital market for physical things is super disruptive. Um, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So the example with the smartwatch, I like that one uh, because that uses something like a, a Kickstarter, like the Pebble yeah. Watch did. And uh, you, you go on there and you purchase, you put money into this NFT as the buyer. It goes to the seller and the seller then agrees to send you that product um, in exchange for that, that mm. purchase. You know, what you would do is you put your money in to a balancer pool for, um, or, or, you know, and um, you, you put your money into a balancer pool, you get the ERC-20 out. And mm -hmm. that ERC-20 is the thing that you can use to then go and buy the NFT. Got it. And once that ERC-20 buys the NFT, right, that NFT then contains the deposits that bind the buyer and seller to make a transaction in future. Got it. I and see. Control the behaviors of both through incentives. Yeah. So uh, let's say I, I get the app, the not the Apple Watch, the the new smartwatch um, from the the seller after the um, transaction has taken place. What does a what's the incentive for like a, a return? Does if I if I get it and it's smashed or it's damaged or something like that, is there a way where the the seller just 
effectively sends my my money back or is it yeah so if you don't if you don't sign i mean there are there is a a complaint transaction but also Mm -hmm. if you don't sign the redemption you can you can reverse the transaction and if you're you know if you're not happy happy with the the you know the product um at the point of exchange and then you will get your um you will get your your payment amount back and the seller doesn't get paid. And then there's a game between the buyer and seller in terms of whether the seller admits the complaint or not, um, which is a kind of combination of game theory and behavioral economics. Um, so it's, it, you know, and we, we have, I mean, it was a mechanism that I developed quite intuitively. And I think I did a reasonably good job for an amateur. Um, and then we had an economic audit by one of the best, um, well, the top, algorithmic game uh, theorists on the planet, um, Dr. Akaki. Um, and uh, yeah, and he, he, he then um, came come and worked for us. And it's, it's now a live academic economic experiment that he's working on and developing it um, and upgrading it, um, uh, you know, as part of the protocol. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, I majored in economics and studied a lot about game theory um, in my thesis and everything like that in, in, in right. university. So it was, it was uh, a really great topic. And that's one of the reasons why I got obsessed with NFTs and the concept yeah. of scarcity and things like yeah. that. So it's, yeah. that's really interesting that there's, there's elements in there that will help with the dispute, kind of like a PayPal dispute or a Stripe dispute yeah. of a payment after the fact um, so that's cool. And, and it relies not just on, I mean, we've had a lot of input from another one of our advisors who's the um, sort of crypto economics researcher at Imperial College called Dr. Zainab Gertrude. Mm-hmm. She also specializes in, in sort of more behavioral crypto economics. So whereas game theory has got these assumptions of rationality, um, which gives you a, a toolkit, but it's quite limited. Mm-hmm. Behavioral economics brings, you know, other tools. So for example, that, you know, a seller, a seller is even if it's economically rational for them to admit a fault when they're not when they're not wrong, they mm-hmm. tend to stand their ground and say, "No, sorry, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, this there was no no problem here," and you know, and that there are so some irrational, but you know, you know, got you know good evidence for them, um, uh, behavior and economic, um, you know, kind of factors that are built in as well. But essentially, it's you know it's an opportunity to run a live economic experiment. And that's, you know, what obviously excites Dr. Akaki is that it's, it's live research on a, in a closed economy. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that, that's, that's what crypto, um, you know, crypto meeting economics that, you know, you're going to be running thousands of these live economic experiments. It's going to be super interesting what the results are. Yeah. Yeah. In real time in a closed economy, mm-hmm. like you said, is, is a beautiful thing. A lot yeah. of good research is going to be done. So, in terms of the fundraise, how much mm. you guys raised and what stage you're at and also what you're excited about that's coming uh, for Boson Protocol, what, uh, what does that look like for you guys? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've raised about $3.5 million so far in the last couple of months. Um, we're, we're, we're about to do a public sale, um, which... Um, we're not, we're, we will announce which platform that's going to be on. We're super excited uh, about that. We're, we're going to do that public sale in, in, in March. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll be releasing further further details of that on uh, our website, uh, Twitter, and, um, and and Telegram. Got it. Got it. Very exciting. Well, that's all the questions I have for you, Justin. Uh, you know, where where can people go and learn more about Boson Protocol? Sure. So, um, uh, website is bosonprotocol.io, and uh, Twitter and Telegram are at Boson Protocol. Excellent. Excellent. Well, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Justin, and breaking it down for us so that we can understand more about it. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Steve. Thanks for having me.